Coming up on the WAC Podcast, basketball is back, and we had a couple of wing dingers, including a buzzer beater on opening night. We'll talk a little bit about that. Women's soccer, the tournament is over. GCU is on to the NCAAs. Volleyball gets started next week. Men's soccer in Las Vegas, not far from the sphere. We're going to have Kendra Sheehan check in from Vegas on the show. It's Eric and Jess on the WAC Podcast. Welcome into the WAC Podcast, Eric Danner and Jess Radford. We're back in studio this week as we're back in. Not as nice weather as it was in California We were poolside last week. We were inside uh, getting away from the rain this week, but inside is where basketball is played, and we had our first WAC on opening night. Abilene Christian traveling to Oklahoma State. The Wildcats win 64 to 59 and that was the first time Oklahoma State had lost a season opener on its home floor since 1957 <laughs> the year you were born oh, <laughs> ouch actually my brother was born not too long after that but uh, thank you for the compliment uh, because that in- indicates wisdom wisdom i got to get him back guys he's always <laughs> i mean i just have to take this elder abuse i guess but uh, anyway, the Cowboys uh, uh, had the lead down to four points. Cameron Steele knocks down a key three-pointer. Then Ali Deba for ACU had a dunk on a uh, fast break, 62-56. And they hang on to win. So congratulations to Brett Tanner and Abilene Christian for getting a big win against a Big 12 opponent. Definitely. And I always hear that they do good against um – Big 12 teams. I saw that on Twitter. A lot of tweets said. You know, they, uh, a couple of years ago when they were in, in the NCAA tournament, they knocked off Texas mm. in the first round of the Big 12. Of course, Texas will be in the SEC next year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that uh, bodes well for Abilene Christian. Yes, yeah, good trends for them. Ali Deba, 15 points. Hunter Jack Madden at 14. Arian Simmons is back. 11 points uh, for Arian Simmons, and it seems like he's been there for a while, but, you know, with COVID and all that stuff. Uh, you get seven years. <laughs> well, I mean, you could get six, theoretically, right? So uh, congratulations to Brett Tanner and ACU. Also on opening night, Grand Canyon getting a huge effort. Talk about from it. Tyon Grant Foster, 30 points in his first game. Now, Tyon Grant Foster, those of you who follow college basketball, that name might sound familiar. Started out at Kansas, uh, then transferred from Kansas to DePaul. Had a, an issue, a medical issue, where he had to leave the floor during a game. Uh, has not played in the last two years uh, mm. since he was at DePaul. So this was his first game back since that happened. And what a comeback. <laughs> and he's medically cleared 30 points, uh, more than more than doubling his previous career high of, of 13 when he was a player at Kansas. So... Just what uh, the the rest of the WAC probably didn't want to hear is that exactly. Grand Canyon has another <laughs> scoring threat to, to go along with, you know, uh, Ray Harrison, Gabe McLaughlin, uh, Javon Blackshear, and now you can add Tyon Grant Foster to the mix. It gets no better than that, especially when you just have sharp shooters, when you can just come in and kill it when your other star players are off, and it's just you have backup after backup to score <laughs> points for you. Oh, my gosh, I would be scared. If I was going against this Grand Canyon team this season. And he did that in just 24 minutes as GCU took care of Southeast Missouri. Uh, by the way, Tyon did start in that game. Uh, and they had the backcourt of 
or that Ray Harrison gave McLaughlin, so we did not get to see uh, the debut of Javon Blackshear Jr. just yet as he's still coming off an injury. But uh, Coach Bryce Drew played a lot of bodies in that, and uh, GCU coming out on top 88-67. to Speaking of GCU, uh, perhaps they were overshadowed by the women's game that was played As they should be. in the day. Women's athletics. <laughs> women's <laughs> against St. Mary's, and it was a packed house for, for both games. They were down big, and they have a 22-0 run to close the game against St. Mary's, and Nadia Evans hits a buzzer-beating three-pointer that made SportsCenter top 10. Caught game. Literally, the polls, insane, crazy ending. Fans go wild. It's just like it gets no better than that, actually, especially to start off the season. You know how you're just riding the high from there on, I feel like. I tell you, Trinity San Antonio uh, brought the ball up. Um, she is, of course, the first-team all-conference uh, preseason, the transfer from CBU, and got the ball to Evans, who calmly hit the three-pointer <laughs> at the end. They were down 52-33 to 33, uh, at one point in that game and wind up uh, winning that one. What was the final score? 50? 55-52. to 52. I mean, yeah, big win for GCU. Uh, keeping it at GCU, I guess, we, we switch over to women's <laughs> soccer and – Congratulations to Chris Sissel capturing his second WAC tournament championship as GCU defeated Seattle U by a count of four to two in the championship on Saturday. They jumped out to a four zero lead. Yes, and then Seattle U oh it whoa. was a nail biter for a second. I think it was just a little too late. I think they started at the seventy minute. Seattle U started scoring those goals. I think if it's, they started on a run and they had earlier, one called back as well. Yes, they did. It, it could have been four three. I think it was the offside. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. So um, they got one call back, and it was a ended up being a four two score. But I think if they started on early scoring in that second half, we, it would have been a different outcome for sure. Because Seattle U was a little down. They weren't making as you know much noise, and next you know in the seventy minute they were getting on a run. It could have been a very close nail biter. <laughs> but how been. about Chris Sissel finally winning one over Julie Woodward? <laughs> <laughs> he was 0 4 against Julie Woodward. That's uh, he. He. Uh, I asked him about it. He said, "Yeah, I'd rather not talk about it." Yeah, but, he was uh, like, he didn't want to scare his players. He didn't <laughs> want to scare his players. So when he was at UMKC, was 0 4 in the championship. Uh, Julie Woodward had six championships in the WAC tournament to prior to that, but they've been to the finals nine out of 11 years. Yeah, and that's so good. So you them. talk about a program that mm-hmm. knows how to get it done as Seattle U. GCU, however, they move on and they will play USC number eight ranked USC on Friday in Los Angeles. <laughs> and it's totally doable because, you know, they've been beat by a WAC team before this season. So well, Utah Valley did <laughs> yes. beat uh, USC earlier this season, and GCU did match up against them the last time they were in the NCAA tournament. So mm-hmm. like their odds, mm-hmm. you know, got, got to stay positive here. So Definitely have to stay positive because if they move on, They'll be playing the winner against BYU and Utah State, which, you know, if it's at BYU. BYU's the number one team in the country. Yeah, number one. So, you know, we'll be in Orem next week. We, we might be. be able to see a game. Orem and Provo <laughs> right next to each other. So, yeah, there's there's potential there. But first things first. Gotta we got to get through the Trojans first. <laughs> and that is not easy. As you mentioned, we'll be in Orem next week for the WAC Volleyball Tournament. And we're... Starting to see things shake out, but uh, with two matches remaining, we still have uh, mumble jumbled some questions. <laughs> yeah. Still, three teams remaining to get their, you know, to punch their ticket into the tournament. We have our five teams: SFA, GCU. So SFA's clinched a share of the, yes. the conference championship. They play. We're recording this on Thursday. They play Grand Canyon Thursday night in Phoenix. Yes. So 
um, arguably the toughest match of the uh, conference year mm-hmm. for SFA. So 12 and two Grand Canyon. They've also clinched UTRGV at 10 and four. They are in UT Arlington and California Baptist are the five teams that have clinched spots in the tournament. Tarleton, Abilene, Christian, and Utah Valley all need to have a win or a Utah Utah Tech loss at this point to get into the tournament. Utah Tech needs to win, too, to potentially. (laughs) Well, if they win and those other teams win, they're they're out. But, But you know, still. They need help. Yeah. The other teams, if they win, they they control their own destiny, as we like to say. True, but, I mean, it's a lot of them going against each other. Abilene and Tarleton goes against each other on Monday for that match. You know, we'll see who. I think, um, did Abilene win that one the first time? You know, Abilene so. uh, swept California Baptist uh, this year. They actually, CBU went to Abilene and Tarleton, dropped both matches, and now they host UTA and SFA this weekend. Tarleton so. actually won that match. Yeah. So. But, yeah, it's been a lot of upsets these past couple weeks. UTA yeah. upset UTRGV. Tarleton beat GCU and CBU. They swept CBU as well, Tarleton. Yeah. Um, Abilene Christian also beat um, CBU. So it's been some interesting shaking-ups in the stand-ins these past couple weeks. These teams aren't playing. <laughs> so the tournament will be in, in Orem at Utah Valley, and that's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday of next week. 10 a.m. Mountain Time is when we start on Thursday, so four matches. So that will be a full day of volleyball if uh, – if you're a volleyball fan, your best day of the year probably is that Thursday. Oh, for sure. And for us, you know, it starts on Wednesday when we're there. The whole entire day for practice day. But oh. I love it. And I show up on Wednesday. How's that? Oh. Yeah, How's he gets to miss happen? it. He get, He's showing up at 2 o'clock at 2 or 3. We've been there since, you know, I mean, 8 a.m. Get, you know, after I have my nap, maybe, you know. Oh, you're not going to play? You better hope you don't turn well, I around. Saying, I was thinking I check into the hotel, take oh. a nap, and come over. Oh, no. Oh, just leave it to us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Thanksgiving the next week. Yeah. Oh, let me put this out there. I'm just speaking into existence. You know, maybe work from home day, Tuesday, Wednesday. (laughs) You know, I mean, I've said this many times. That's that's above my pay grade on that decision. I feel that. If it's above your pay grade, I wonder what it is for me. So let me just zip it up, (laughs) throw away the key. (laughs) I did did, want to give a shout out to Yes. uh, To what? Robert Rose. I was going to give a shout-out to California Adventure. Oh! <laughs> Since we were on the show last night, you know, we're in Riverside, not too far away from Disneyland, and we uh, we went to California Adventure, checked it out. So, Oh, yeah, Edie loved time. the Soren ride. Soren's great. <laughs> it was actually the, the cool. The Cars ride's really good. Yeah, the Incredible Coaster. Edie didn't get on that. He was just... Uh, I've been on it before. Not oh. the Incredible It was called uh, something else, but... Yeah. Same thing, the loop-de-loop. No. So we I, gave I uh, ED all of our bags. He was the dad for like an hour. <laughs> we were like, here, hold this. Hold through these Mickey now, ears. Does it smell like bag. cookies? What? Did the he? credit coaster. Isn't that the whole theme is it's Jack Jack's cookies and you're chasing Jack Jack? Oh, no. I didn't How come those... I know more about the ride I didn't even get on? I didn't get those vibes. I was too busy laughing because I was laughing at Mary Kay and Shelby who's sitting behind me and just screaming the whole entire time. And when I tell you I couldn't breathe because I was laughing. So that's maybe why I didn't smell anything because <laughs> I was laughing the entire ride. Because at the end of the ride, they have Jack Jack's cookies. They have like chocolate chip cookies you can buy. What? What did I miss? All was right. I paying attention? <laughs> when we come back. <laughs> No, it was, it was a good time, though. Wait, and, we uh, got a shout-out, Robert, Robert Rosa. Yeah, Christian Hood. Christian Hood. Yeah. What are we shouting about? Shout-out. I hope y'all are listening. Thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah. 
Looks like Gipper's going to be helping us out with uh, some of our graphics. So uh, Very sweet graphics, by the way. We're, we're so very excited cool. about that. So Coming up next, <laughs> we're going to have Kendra Sheehan break down some whack men's soccer. You're watching, listening to the Whack Podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Whack Podcast. Eric Danner, Jess Radford in Arlington, Texas, home of the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. Kendra Sheehan is in the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada. Kendra had a chance to catch your call both times, a little bit Sunday on the uh, on the airplane, and then Wednesday, all of it. You and Ben Wilson, fantastic job, by the way. A couple of uh, surprising games. Let's back it up, I guess, to Sunday and kind of go through the tournament, starting with the first matchup, UNLV, Utah Valley. UNLV's at home. Uh, they play Utah Valley, and that, that was maybe, well, I don't think the most exciting match of the tournament, but UNLV's kind of been the cardiac kid so far. Yeah, I mean, this is a story of a team that was picked second to last in the preseason coaches poll. B.J. Craig, in his second year with this program, took over last year. The team had just one win on the season, no wins in conference play. They wanted to get to the tournament knowing that they were going to be that host team, and then they said, hey, if we're there, why not try and make a run for it? They go up early against Utah Valley. It was a really back-and-forth game that ended up, of course, going into overtime. And Nico Lopez, the senior, was really the story of that one. He had a hat trick. He scored that goal with just about a minute left in that second overtime period. It's the first hat trick ever in, in WAC men's soccer history. Pushes his team the tournament to the semifinals. History. What'd you say? Sorry. Tournament history. Tournament history. Yes. Sorry. Didn't mean to step on you. You're yeah, no, it, and of I course, do this all it, the time. It, so, so sorry, it happened in such, Go on with your story, please. Yeah. <laughs> it happened in such dramatic fashion, too. You know, it's it, the score was knotted up at two for quite some time, and Nico Lopez just gets a great ball in, is able to finish it off a header, just textbook soccer right there, rips his shirt off, gets the yellow card for that celebration, kind of got a restart because the rules have changed from last year to this year in terms of overtime. It used to be a golden goal, so that goal would have done it, would have ended the game. But in this new version, you have to play out that two 10-minute periods. And so there were really a minute left on the clock, restart. and uh, But you can't blame the kid. I mean, what a what an awesome game that he had probably the game of his life he doubled the number of goals scored on the year in just one match and so really cool opportunity for the host team to be able to move on to that semifinal matchup then in that second matchup utah tech against san jose state you saw them in the regular season in st george then you get to see the rematch you get to call the rematch we know it was going to be a tough matchup as, as simon tobin's team usually kind of a tough gritty team utah tech kind of the same way and this one went Utah Tech's way. Yeah, in the regular season, these two teams met, and it was 3-0 San Jose State. But Coach Tobin would be the first one to tell you that the score flattered San Jose State. It didn't really look like that during the match. It was really a tight contest. Utah Tech actually outshot San Jose State, and they just came in with a lot of intensity. Utah Tech kept pressuring San Jose State. That back line for the Spartans is something that we had talked about all year. They had three guys that have been four-year starters, Thomas Beecham, the defensive player of the year. And so for this young Trailblazer team to be able to go get behind that back line and score a goal early and just hang on is a pretty incredible win for a team that was making their first appearance ever in the postseason tournament winning a game, and uh, that was a team that was picked dead last in the preseason coaches poll and got the three seed in this tournament. Waiting for Jess to ask a question. 
And I'll just go ahead and continue to add that it was <laughs> it was Austin Wallace, the freshman, who was able to do it. And one of the interesting things about this Utah Tech <laughs> team is, you know, they come in the three seed, but all of the, all the players new to this conference tournament and head coach Johnny Broadhead had talked about, you know, at the half, they just wanted the match to be within reach. And so they go up one nil at the half. And so it was just kind of a story of a team that, you know, was just, why not us? We're playing for, we don't have anything to lose out here. We're trying to get as far as we can in the tournament and write some history for a program that just started soccer back in 2008. So fairly new transitioning from D2 to D1, still in that transition period. So they wouldn't be eligible to go to that postseason had they won out in the tournament and just gain some experience. Of course, coach Johnny Broadhead, uh, Played his collegiate soccer at CSU Pueblo in what conference? Oh my gosh, the RMAC? <laughs> <laughs> Ongoing uh, inside joke from uh, last week. Apparently, I say that quite a bit. We went on to the semifinals. Of course, Seattle U ranked number nine in the country, team on a roll. And we knew, I mean, we, you saw this happen last year as you were at CBU, Kendra, where the home site, you know, maybe a team that's not pick to win nothing to lose and that's kind of what happened again on Wednesday night yeah Seattle U comes in the clear favorite when I spoke with all head coaches before the term even started they felt like two through six were pretty even but Seattle U had been that established front runner hadn't lost a game in conference play ranked number nine in the coaches poll most recently that just came out before this tournament had started and so came in that clear favorite. But when you look at this tournament and how we're set up, that last regular season match ended on the 29th of October. And here we are playing in a little November. So there's a 10-day break between those matches. And that's something that coaches were kind of worried about. Hey, will we have that same rhythm? Will we not bring the same intensity that we need to? And the cool thing about this matchup is UNLV and, C or, and CLU played each other October 29th, that last game of the regular season. And in that matchup, it was 2-1 Seattle U, but UNLV had, was the one that struck first. They played with a lot of intensity. It really could have gone either way. And so in this semifinal match, UNLV jumps out to the early lead. Seattle U equalizes it about four minutes later, and then we're knotted up. This game also goes into overtime. So those Rebels playing numerous minutes over the course of these last four days and this one ended in crazy fashion. It ended up with a, a handball in the box with one second remaining in that second overtime period. UNLV, Gabe Sanchez, the senior, gets to take the PK, puts it in the back of the net, and the home team is moving on to the championship. Just a really neat storyline. Question for you on that, and I, forgive me my ignorance on this. Could they have uh, substituted somebody else to shoot the PK? Obviously, Gabe made it. But in that situation, is that uh, somewhere, something where you, you might put a Nico Lopez in? Yeah, we were actually wondering if Nico Lopez would take the uh, the PK. And so now you're calling me out because I'm actually not sure. Um, I knew it had to be somebody who was on the pitch. Um, but I, I don't know if he could have done Nico Lopez in that situation. But yeah, uh, so that's, I mean, shout out to uh, to Coach Craig. I mean, that's that's a, that was the right call. And, and yeah, it was. It was amazing because what, two seconds left, one second left? One second was left and they had to go back. They obviously it goes under official review anytime there's a penalty kick 
awarded on the field. They go back and they were looking at it. it was a clear handball. He reached his arm out. Just really unfortunate because you know UNLV had been continuing to pressure and Charlie Lanfear, the goalkeeper, just boots it out of bounds, which allows UNLV to get one more attack going in the final 15 seconds. And just for it to end in the way that it did, it was just kind of was there one second left? Did the time expire? And, and when they finally went back to the official review, they saw that there was just under one second remaining. So they had to take that PK and, you know, UNLV then going on to to the championship matchup. And uh, just a point of clarification as well. I, I was advised of this uh, actually today that they no longer use our broadcast feed for that uh, official review. They have their own cameras set up that that actually determine that. Yes. Yeah. They have some cameras set up and uh, a great, they had the great camera angle and were able to see the penalty, see the handball. And then it was just a matter of timing after that. So then you know? uh, what time it was, it was pretty late here on the central time zone <laughs> by the time that the second match got started, uh, which was Utah tech against California Baptist uh, Utah tech. And we had to have a scenario in place as well, because Utah tech not eligible for the NCAA tournament. So if they were to win the WAC tournament, who was going to be the team that would claim the AQ? And I believe that was Seattle U being the regular season champion. So with Seattle U losing, um, that opens up a spot because we think, knock on wood, they're in the tournament. They're the ninth ranked team in the country. RPI, I think top 20. Um, they should be in even with the loss. Uh, so that opens up the door for someone else to get in. Um, so we have CBU taking on Utah tech. Uh, the scoring was fast and furious and then nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. California Baptist jumped out to an early two nil lead within the first 26 minutes of match play. And they looked really good in that 30 minutes. They were pressuring the ball. They were able to move it behind the trailblazers defense pretty easily. Louis, Mueller who leads the team in goals had a nice, one touch to the back of the net couldn't have written it any better if you were head coach co michelson and then they really just took their foot off the gas and it was all trailblazers that second half the trailblazers outshot the lancers uh it was six nothing early on in that first or in that first 10 minutes of play of that second half and credit to Utah tech. They, they just couldn't find the back of the net. I mean, they created chances. There were some that if you're the players, you'd look back, you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, just some sloppy first touches, but they were getting behind that strong veteran presence, veteran defensive line for California Baptist uh, just didn't end up falling their way. And the cool thing is that, you know, Co Michelson was a big advocate for those transitioning schools to play in the postseason tournament. It never, fell that way California Baptist was never able to compete but he was so excited when Johnny Broadhead's program was able to do so and so he's been one of his main cheerleaders for this program um but they played their hearts out and that's a young team that looks to do some damage in the future so California Baptist back in the finals second year in a row Nolan Premack back in the net and, and a lot of players who were on that team last year that went to the NCAA's playing in that and then they get to play UNLV a hot team you know a team with nothing to lose number four seed in front of their home fans that's going to be Saturday at uh, 1 p.m pacific time almost like deja vu it is last year <laughs> but it's on the flip side for you well, who, who did they play in the final last year San Jose State boom 
and that just game like went no to CBU DKs. last year. Home, what was they number five? Yeah, they were the five seed. Yeah, and they won on their home field, right? UNLV. Yeah, and what was interesting is at the end of last season, California Baptist had a chance to be that two seed and earn the bye, and they lost a couple of matches down that final stretch that dropped them to the five seed, forcing them to have to play those three matches in five days. This year, they're able to close out during the final stretch, get that number two seed, and Co. Michelson was also worried, hey, that 10-day gap, they did the inter-squad scrimmage on Saturday to make sure guys kept their conditioning up and keep that rhythm, and it paid off, and I'm looking forward to seeing this matchup UNLV you know two overtime games uh they get that extra day of rest which I think will help with the legs kind of slowing down after playing so many minutes and then California Baptist the team that has been been in this situation before knows what it takes to win they have a a veteran keeper Nolan Premat can't say enough good things about what he's done for the program and should be a really exciting close matchup I'm I'm anticipating so extra day of rest for you as well <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> in Vegas, extra day in Vegas. Now you, you, now you were fighting off uh, a bug of, of some sort. Now you, you sound sound good, sound great last night. Feeling good. Feeling good. Feeling feeling good. <laughs> you and, look good. And now you're oh, off thanks. to shoot the first episode of Road to Wag Vegas. That's right. I mean, can you believe it? We're talking about soccer, but it's hoop season. We actually got a chance to go to the Hall of Fame series that's here in Vegas. And so we got a chance to see the LSU women take on Colorado, the defending national champions get taken down by about 14 points, a little bit of an upset there. And then uh, USC taking on Kansas State, LeBron James' son on uh, the Trojans squad. Of course, he's still not medically cleared to play. However, they had mentioned that should everything go well in the next month, he should be back uh, training and with the team soon. I I saw Shaq was was in the house. Was he DJing? I was. I thought about, hey, can I go down there and tap him? You want to DJ the WAC tournament? But uh, (laughs) I think he does the Big Twelves, so he might be booked during that time. Is he really? Yeah. He's in the Big 12. They already announced What does he charge? Three mil. (laughs) I don't want to know. (laughs) Maybe we can get Will Ferrell. Did you see that he was DJing his son's like frat party? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Maybe we can get Will Ferrell. I mean, here, we're trying to go here. We got to, we got to bring in the right DJs to do so. I think that'd be funny. A lot of pressure. Maybe we should put that on the whiteboard the conference hashtag big time dj yeah russell's here see what he thinks yeah we gotta ask rjw (laughs) (laughs) that's right well kendra you got anything else for us i mean you're you're always just full of knowledge there um no but we you know shout out to our uh soccer coordinator for giving us some tickets to the sphere so we're going to get a chance to go in there they're showcasing uh video i guess of the earth and so that's what they're doing for the next month there's no concerts in there so we're going to check it out 2.9 billion dollar project that opened early july here in vegas so it's relatively new there's also the f1 race that's happening a week from Saturday, I believe it is. So it's going right through the strip. So they have the race track kind of set up and they're building stands. It makes traffic an absolute nightmare here, but there's a lot of exciting things going on here in Vegas. So so, so the shout out goes to Paul Scott. Yes. AKA the Fedora. 
Yes. Yes. That's yeah. a knowledgeable man right there. Well, you know, he lives near Orem. So we, we might see him again next week, I'm guessing. We saw him at CBU. You know where he started as an officials coordinator? Uh, it, what, <laughs> for the national teams? No, no. What conference? Oh, oh my gosh. Here we go. Armac. Oh, that's the right. Armac. Oh my gosh. I don't know if you know this, Jess, but Danner used to work for the Armac and actually at one point <laughs> for 100 years was the commissioner. I was the commissioner. <laughs> You're the interim commissioner, right? The interim. Don't just say commissioner, so. interim. Hey, hey, when that was happening, the, the commissioner interim, it's all the same. And he only had Buck three other co workers. <laughs> At that time, I only had one. He was actually the only one working, so they had to make him the commissioner. <laughs> I mean, that is true. <laughs> but man, did he crush expanded, that job? We, expanded, we got two new schools, we expanded scholarships in football. You did all that. Dan that was on you. That's right. Six months. Oh my God, the dead man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got volleyball coming up. We talked about it in the previous segment. You're going to be on the sideline for that. And we're already prepping for uh, volleyball next week. Oh man, I mean, my brain is just exploding. There's so much going on. We got a chance to talk with California Baptist, UTRGV. We got some more coaches' calls set up in the pipeline very excited to switch over i did play-by-play -play analysts and now i'm going to the sidelines so i mean my goodness let's go the versatile the swiss army knife of broadcasters Kendra so Sheehan. good so and then you're going for a whack road trip as well that's right got a few uh few sites that i'm gonna try and check out you know always like to showcase what's going around what's going on around our institutions park city is about 40 minutes from orem where i could potentially do a bobsled so look out for that i hope no. i don't injure no. myself we talked about this with uh, clint berge at uvu yesterday they have a bobsled they do the skeleton which yeah you know, have you ever seen the skeleton? No, girl, but don't get out so of that So the bobsled, at least you got like that that thing in front of you, and I guess somebody else drives it. But the skeleton, you're just laying on your back, right? Just My face. I have absolutely you. no idea. I'm going to have to do some significant research before that this day That's scary. <laughs> Life's uh, for the living, some, Jess. <laughs> some of you uh, track athletes have gone on to be Olympic bobsledders and skeletoners. Skeletoners. Yeah. That's so, actually crazy. So it'll be fun. And then you get a fly Provo. That's right. Provo Regional Airport, a proud sponsor of the Western Athletic Conference. Can't wait to uh, check out that airport. Give you guys, you know, the details on what it looks like. Click a video. Oh, you know it. Kendrick. Follow our back Instagram. You'll see yeah. everything. Oh, that's right. <laughs> All right, we'll keep up the tremendous work there, Kendra. We will see you next week in Utah. All righty, thanks, guys. All right, that's this week's edition of the WAC Podcast. We'll see you next time. No, no, no. Peace out, guys. It's Jess. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com dot com.